1: For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, Pelicans fans, uh, both far and wide, welcome to another edition of the Bird Calls. I'm your host, David Grubb, and I am joined by uh, David Fisher, Kevin Barrios, and editor in chief of the stars com, Mister Ali Costel, gentlemen. Uh, this is our pre-draft edition. Welcome. Uh, we haven't had the four of us on at the same time in a minute.
2: No, I've, I've missed, missed you. <laughs> I've missed you all, but I'm tired of sweating.
1: Yes, it's 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 hot, man. It's oppressive hot, like.
0: Yeah, you guys just walk outside. I was outside half an hour ago, and it still feels like 95, man. And the sun's been gone for a couple of hours, well, or over an hour, right? So- I'm like,
2: always so fucking mad about it. Like, just right away,
1: you can feel it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but don't you get mad right now, Right about now, like, if you have to go outside when you're already – you've gotten your body temperature back down, you know what I mean? Like, you came yeah, from I'm outside, right. you got cool – you feel you don't feel that tightness anymore you're not sticky in any way and then all of a sudden you have to go outside and it's like damn
2: it yeah it's yeah, the, the worst time of year to own dogs i'll tell you that yeah. yeah i gotta i gotta get my dog to come inside and i come i come back in after just like two minutes and i'm drenched in sweat again and i want to take another shower yeah
1: and it doesn't matter if you have like if you're covered it doesn't matter if you have an umbrella that the Heat is finding you, you have to walk through it, it's everywhere. Um, but that's not what people want to hear us talk about. <laughs> they want to hear us talk
2: about <laughs> the old man
1: talk about weather. Let's go, yes. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, the NBA draft coming up, uh, this week, of course. And, um, guys, there are, uh, I mean, first of all, there's a number of different players that, that people enjoy, uh, uh, speculating about coming to New Orleans um certainly mock drafts have three or four people that are that are generally in the consensus um but first Ollie do you think we should run through the list that that the guys from the bird rights uh submitted and um uh, just go through those names and see how we feel about that list today what do you think that you want to go with that
0: yeah that's a good idea because i hope everybody that read that article realized that we did this poll what was it guys like 3 weeks ago now or something like that we put in our you know are mm-hmm. um rankings and Our rankings stuff. so yeah so yeah definitely yeah. i think that's a good idea
1: you know i am again my theory is that you know you always take the best player um that is not everybody's idea to draft sometimes people there are people who are draft for me people um but this is essentially um rankings based on the pelicans are at eight who would you like them to take if that's who's available um, at 12 was Tari Eason from LSU. Um, 11th, uh, Usman um, <coughs> Jang. Uh, 10, AJ Griffin. At 9, I hate saying his name, um, Okai Abaji. Um, at 8, Jaylen Duran. <laughs> <laughs> 7, Mark Williams. 6, Johnny Davis. 5, Jeremy Sochin. Um, 4, Shaden Sharp. 3, Keegan Murray. 2, Benedict Mathurin. And 1, Dyson Daniels. Um, I know I've been an outspoken Dyson Daniels fan from the moment that that we found out that the Pelicans on lottery night were picking at eight. I said, if Dyson Daniels is available at eight, that's who I want to see the Pelicans take. Um, guys, where are you today based on where you were when this uh, was taken? We'll start with you, Kevin.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I Dyson Daniels is my top choice. I mean, I just look at him as such a versatile on-ball defender, can do a little bit of everything so you can kind of play him with anybody, um, which is a great thing to have. We needed more size, more athleticism in the backcourt. I kind of feel like he's a little bit of a hybrid of Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball. He kind of like is a blend of their games. He attacks the rim, has a nice floater, um, can pass, can shoot, can rebound. Can't really shoot, I shouldn't say. But reports are that he's shooting very well in in his workouts, so that's promising, and his form always looks good. Um so he's my top choice. My my numbers in the rankings that we did have shuffled around a little bit, but he stayed number 1 and I've completely removed Shaden Sharp from my board completely. I have no interest in adding him to this team at all. Um I don't know if you want to go deeper. Yeah, let's yet. start
1: let's let's go right there we'll, we'll, and we'll come back to every to the next pick, but guys, Shaden Sharp is is someone in our group chat that is is a lightning rod for a lot of people, but I think for the most part, and you tell me if, if you disagree, but I, I'm not big on shade and sharp. Kevin has never been big on shade and sharp. Uh, fish. I don't think either you and Ali are, are shade and sharp like fans either, as far as matching with what the pell. we're not, not, we're not trying to disparage this kid in any way. We don't, we're not talking about it like that, but just as a, a, a fit for the Pells, fish.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a big fan. Um, the, the big thing for me is, is that and it's silly and I want to lead with that because we do have to understand that this is a career and to some of these guys, it's a job. Um, and so I completely understand if some of these guys come in and they're great at basketball, but they don't necessarily love it, but they can make generational money. So they're going to, you know, do basketball for a bit. Um, that's kind of what I, that that's the feeling I get from Shaden Sharp, honestly, um, because if if you look back in his history and everything like that it's just it's just the issue of he's high on the board because he was you know highly ranked coming out of high school um but we know he didn't play in a traditionally tough league um and we know his entire high school career was like that we're ranking him on is the fact that it was all covid impacted um and then Like, he went to Kentucky, he was eligible to play, chose not to play, Mm -hmm. Um, he, you know, he went to the Combined, he got measured, I don't think he participated, though, like in any of the athletic testing. He Um, did not. um, Allegedly, he had a workout scheduled with New Orleans, um, but he did, did not come to that workout. Now, I don't know how you know far out the cancellation was done um but it seems like there's a whole lot of handler involvement in in his in his you know lead up to the nba and the nba draft um uh, and that might work great for him by all means like and and I know grub you're a huge proponent of the fact that they need to eliminate the draft entirely um by all means, get to a place that you want to be in a situation that you think you can thrive and maybe he doesn't think New Orleans is that place. Um, but if, you know, if he's not working out for the team and handlers are involved, like the Pelicans at this point, like that's, I don't think that's a vibe that's going to fit in the locker room. Those dudes love to freaking hope. You need to get more guys that are going to fit with that. Like, um... That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I for for him to me it seems uh,
1: uh is is he wants to be a mystery. He's kind of like you, you know what was the show uh, let's make a deal. He's what's behind door number 2. You you yeah. know what you have in a lot in, in these other guys in the lottery, but he's what's behind door number 2 and wants to remain that. He does not want you to open that door until it's time to make the choice. Um is that what it seems like the hype is for him to you?
0: Yeah, it bothers me. I mean, Fish already said it. The guy said it was his choice not to play at Kentucky. And yet he also, in that same interview when he said that, also said, I see myself as being one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. I mean, it just doesn't compute, right? So that's a major red flag for me. And I was probably the highest in the group. Let me start off there. I was the highest in the group on him when we first started talking about draft picks. Because so I was the guy that said, look, Pelicans, go ahead and take the biggest swing you can. I like the guy that, look, Pel's biggest, one of the biggest weaknesses is shooting. And then you also have to maybe down start a little bit down the road, start thinking about replacing or getting somebody else for C.J. McCollum's minutes down the road. So I just naturally gravitate towards Shaden Sharp, who really, you know, you look at that jumper as an 18-year-old, looked really darn good, right? The moves, the step backs, so you kind of liked all that. He liked the percentages and analytics that spoke of his shooting being pretty darn good as well because you got to realize he's taking these high percent or these difficult percentage shots, and yet he still ended up shooting, I think, what was it, over the summer after AAU ball in all those leagues? It was around 36%, which they said is really good. And, you know, so you can see how he's going to get a shot off this. athleticism jumps off the page, but, you know, then as we started to learn more and think about him, As I've already mentioned, that quote, it bothers me. But the other biggest thing that I don't like is, yeah, he may develop just fine and shore up his weaknesses. Because, right, I mean, who doesn't when you're 18, right? His defense, he can maybe develop a motor, develop much better fundamentals, learn how to become a better playmaker, and learn how to attack the rim a little bit more. But my biggest thing and issue is who's controlling him, right? And we've already kind of gone through that for the last three years with Zion and his family. So the thought of having... Bringing in a guy who sounds like Shane Sharp and his family have allowed, I forget the guy's name, but an advisor to make all the decisions over the last year on how he handled whether he's going to play Kentucky, every other step through this guy. It, just, it, it scares me. And like I said, I don't want to add anybody else like that to this Zion Brandon Ingram led team. Don't need any more mysteries like that. Right. So that's why I've shied away from him more than anything else.
1: Yeah, the, the, the biggest questions for the Pelicans going into the season are all at a very high level now. <clears throat> so I I'm, I am of the mindset, you don't add any other lower lower tier question marks to think about because Zion is a high level question mark. You know, how he and BI are going to coexist is a high level question mark. Not a negative. I'm not saying these are things are negatives, but those are the things that the franchise has to focus on. So to have to bring in a rookie to me, who takes your focus away from your main thing, like if you if to if divert any of your attention to some bullshit during this season when you have real stuff to deal with, the Pelicans don't have time for that. They cannot waste time on those kinds of things, and that's why a player, um, you know, just yeah, like here's the other start. thing
0: that I should have mentioned to to your thought right there. Is say they bring him in, right? And, and they're willing to go through the development. What if he doesn't want that? What if he wants big minutes? Or what if he says, I don't want to go to the G League to develop? That's the, that's what I'm afraid of is that he would maybe be yeah. combative on that end, right?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah if I you mean, can't get
1: what you. Yeah, go ahead,
0: Kevin. Go ahead,
1: right. No, you go ahead. I was just saying, this is not a situation if you're a rookie that if, if you only can do one thing or if you only think you're going to get to play your game. You know, this is not the situation for that player. You know, this team is already eight deep in legitimate starter and role and, you know, top bench minute players identified. So if you're going to come in, you have to be someone who's able to contribute, not someone who has not look good. I workout, want to play my game.
0: Right? a yeah. Good workout. Hasn't played in over a year competitive basketball. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, the thing for me is like, you know, I, I said this to you guys before and. For people that are like enamored with him, I feel like it's that old thing is a, a crush is just a lack of information. Like you like him because you haven't mm-hmm. seen him, you haven't seen his flaws. Like people will say, Well, Gene Ivey failed in, in the uh, tournament. You know, you saw holes in his game and stuff like that, but you got to see him. You haven't seen Sharp, so you only know the enigma uh, and the, the sort of the promo tour that's gone around. I mean, he, even in high school, like he was, he was highly rated, but he wasn't like this dominant guy until this one particular tournament where that's Mm -hmm. when he really skyrocketed. And he did like a George Costanza. He went out on a high note, just like shut it down, walked out. And like, you haven't seen him since. Um, So that's very troubling to me. And I feel like where we are as a franchise right now, we have Zion Williamson, we have Brandon Ingram, we have CJ McCollum, and we have Jonas Valanciunas who are all like either superstars or like all-star level guys at their position right maybe not all-stars but right in the discussion and you don't need to take a swing on a guy like this when we have that already I feel like we need more guys with higher floors to, to really surround and help those stars thrive And so adding a guy like this is a huge gamble and it creates possibly a wasted space. And also, you know, upsets the chemistry in the locker room. You have a team that's bought into hard work and playing defense. And now you have a guy who didn't want to play for his college team is, it had a couple of workouts that reportedly didn't go well. And all of a sudden is canceling other workouts. Didn't do anything at the combine. Like you said, he's a mystery box. He doesn't want people to see him. He doesn't want to compete. or maybe he's being told to do that, whatever, but you don't want to really bring that into this locker, this locker room. That's all about hard work right now. Um, and I feel like, you know, if you're a team like the magic or a team like the thunder or a team that doesn't have that like foundational star yet, you take a swing on a guy like this possibly, but where we are uh-huh. as a franchise, I don't feel like you take a swing guy like that at this point.
1: Um, Ali, who would, it, it, did you put Daniels first on your list and then who would you say besides um, Sharp who dropped the most or or who moved the most up or down um, in your draft uh, consideration?
0: Yeah. So three weeks ago, I had Dyson, Daniels, Benedict, Mather and Sharp all in the same boat. Well, now of course, <laughs> that's completely different. Daniels is the clear number one. I agree with what you, you and fish both were saying early. I started looking at footage. Love him to death. I think he's going to be that perfect connector, right? That's why I think Griff was very interested in Josh Giddey. Uh That's why they were kind of fancying Lonzo Ball for a while until, you know, things didn't work out there. So I think Dyson is that perfect replacement. And he could be the best of the trio, right? But then if not him, Mathurin. we've already talked about him enough. As for the guy that's probably risen the most, I think it's got to be Jeremy Sochan, right? I know that we ranked him pretty highly, right? Uh, when we did our poll three months ago, or excuse me, three weeks ago, it he was passed. like about fifth. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. right behind Sharp. But now you've got to think if we redid this, he, you know, Sharp would slip way uh, further down. I mean, for me right now, Sochin's number three. I feel like if they don't get Dyson Daniels, who you feel like is the Pell's number one guy, and I'm not exactly sure how they feel about Benedict Matherin, but it makes sense for them to chase him as well. But if it's none of those two guys sitting at eight. And uh, say they can't trade out of eight, maybe if Sharp's sitting there. I, I'm guessing that Jeremy is going to be the uh, guy for them. What do you guys think?
3: Well, let me just say this real quick. I did see Kevin O'Connor updated his uh, mock draft, and he put M- Matherin going to the Pistons at five. So he seems to be skyrocketing up boards, but he might not be around. Yeah, I saw us. that in that,
0: in, in that draft, Kevin. Didn't he have then? I think I, I remember Tom Fish's too, He had Daniels going to us where Sharp was supposedly going to get picked at seven, whether it's by Portland or whoever trades up to that spot. Yeah. Okay. Correct.
2: I mean, my biggest concern is that the Pelicans get on the clock at eight and both uh, Matherin and Daniels are gone. Um, Daniels Mm -hmm. is my number one um, with considerable distance um, from the other choices. Um, And I've been writing about this um, pretty much since the lottery, which is. Um, if you, if, I mean, if Daniels is on the board at eight, you just pick Daniels and then you run away from the draft happy. Um, but if Daniels is off the board, um, I really want to, you know, discuss trading down, um, because most of the mock drafts that I've seen have Sohan closer in the 12 to the 15 range and not, you know, in the top 10. And that that's a place where I feel like if you can trade back, you get off of Devonte. Um, that that's the best outcome for the Pelicans.
0: Here's what's interesting. Um, I, just, I just real quick, Grub. I just want to say uh-huh. it seems like from all the latest mocks I've read, Sochin's moving up. I don't think he's going to fall past ten or eleven at all. Yep, yeah, I'm looking 10 or at 9, CBS 10 or eleven at the most.
1: CBS has the Pelicans taking Daniels eighth. They have Mathurin going ninth um, to San Antonio, and they have uh, uh, so- Sohan going tenth um, to uh, Washington. So, yeah, he, uh, uh, there's some uh, – you know, those three guys, the guys we're talking about, they're bunched right together as a group.
0: Yeah, I feel like if the Pelzer make a deal with OKC, their best swing would be then D'Ang. D'Ang, right? Or Sami D'Ang from uh, the Breakers over in the, the Australian League. Mm. Yeah. at 12? Yeah, I'm just uh, guessing because they have some interest in him. I'm just guessing Sochen would be off the board. So if you're trading back – Hopefully they really like Ding. I that, I'm that's one guy I'm not high on.
3: Yeah, I'm not high on him either. I was thought you were saying you were high on him, but I, I get what you're saying, that they they're high
0: on. Him. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay, well then let's let's do that. Okay, so let's say you get to eight, the guys that the three people that we've just talked about are gone. Um and the Pelicans do decide, okay, they we'd like to trade back. Um uh, my first choice to trade back is Mark Williams the center from Duke is to get back in that 12 to 15 range and see if um you can get him make sure you've had the communications with everybody else but that's the guy you would move back for because he gives you the legitimate you know like rim protector that you do not have on this roster he's big enough he's strong enough he's agile enough he's long enough he will not be moved by other centers you know i just think that defensively he gives you the one element that you don't have on the roster um fish you can go next
2: i mean it depends on 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 how, who you're trading back with and and how that works out yes. for me um cuz i'm not just the the two primary targets for, for trading back that i have if i'm the pelicans are can you move back to 12 with okc um and in the process of that i need okc to eat Devontae Graham's contract. Um, if I can make that happen at 12, um, obviously Sohan's my first choice. Um, if I can't get Sohan, um, Zhang feels like a, I mean, Zhang is like a boomer br- bust swing. Um, he's He wouldn't be my first choice. Um, I, I've got a lot of people on my board ahead of him, um, but Zhang would be like a a, a big swing. At twelve, but if you do a different trade back and you trade back with like Charlotte and you get both of those picks, so you trade back eight and you get thirteen and fifteen, but you probably aren't getting them to eat. You know Devontae Graham's contract. Maybe you can sneak, you know, Jackson Hayes into that deal somehow so you have the roster spot. Um, then you're looking at two picks in the middle. Um, Agbaji has always been a high guy on my board. Um, I don't like Agbaji at at eight. But I like Akbaji at you know 13, 15. Um, like you, I'm a big fan of Mark Williams. If I can walk out of the draft with Mark Williams and Abazi, I'd be ve- I'd I'd feel very happy about um, the situation um, for the Pelicans going forward.
1: Ali, yeah,
0: um, I don't have too much to add. I mean, I was really high on Mark Williams early. I know when we started this, I picked him um as my only big that I really would have targeted if I was the Pels but not at eight because I had to have been further down yes. I just keep wondering because he's really a true center right and if he doesn't develop any kind of range on his jumper you know I just worry about you know his place of course in this NBA but more so could he even be a starter for you I'm not sure I mean I know defensively he works tail off. he's got all that length he seems to have a really good instincts um on the court, but. That doesn't seem to be enough anymore, right? So he's got to have either a jumper or somehow that mobility has got to improve, I feel like, for him to actually become a starter. And that, then that begs the question is, are you grabbing a guy that's even worthy of the draft slot, basically a backup center? I'm not certain you want to go down that road considering how available, right, centers are. I mean, Grub, you've always mentioned this, right? Why not chase, you know, like Nerland's Noel or somebody like over the last few years we've always been targeting or talking about and they've somehow ended up under Tibbs or, you know, elsewhere, but those guys can be had a lot easier. And plus they would give you more, right? I think the Pels need a better rim runner, a guy that can guard multiple positions because Mark Williams, he's not going to be guarding fours and threes in this league for sure. So that's my only hesitation with him. But when you are looking at the rest of the board there at, let's say they do 12, 13, 15, wherever to move back to, who do you target? And I'm not sure, you know, that, that becomes a possible. Cause I've already mentioned, I don't like Jen. I feel like he's way too big of a pros, uh, project. He doesn't have enough of competitive instinct, aggression, aggressiveness in his play. When I've watched him, I think that's a big thing that I rank rank highly when I'm looking at guys. That's why I really like Benedict Matherin because he, he exudes it. Right. So I don't know. Then you're looking at what smallish guards, if you go away from McBaji, right? Malachi Branham of Ohio state, or you know, who's the other guy listed right there? Maybe Ty Ty Washington, you know, I'm worried because that's not who the Pelicans need. So I'm not sure if trading down is the answer for this team. I don't think I would want to. I mean, I'm praying like crazy. that You get one of the three that we like the most, right? And if you don't miss out on Daniels or um, Matherin, I'm going 100% Sochin at eight, and I'm not looking back.
1: I mean, I would think that – I'd hope if you are moving back, uh, like Fish said, I think you're hopefully moving off of something too. Um, you know, getting off yeah, of but, a player. Right. I know uh, I completely hear that. But if
0: you're bringing in somebody, who are you guys really excited about? You know, I, I would I'm say already- I, I'm
1: still – I still think because of the role that Williams plays, I think if you're – let's say you do give up Jackson Hayes in that and you move back and you get both of Charlotte's picks and you get Mark Williams in that deal and you've given up Jackson mm-hmm. Hayes' backup center minutes at his contract for a guy you're taking for, you know, what, lower than what you drafted Jackson's value at. And who's going to do the things, the, the the things that Jackson could not do. And you still have players on the roster who are capable of doing the things, some of the, you know, the thing, all the things that Jackson could do. So I mean, I think that he gives you something, and that physicality is something that this team needs too. I think that that somebody's got to be an enforcer. And Zion Williams has, has not shown that he's an enforcer. Um, and I think you're gonna, you know, you can't have those nights you saw when Jonas wasn't around physically. It, it hurt the Pelicans up front, you know what I mean. So I think that you know if Jonas, there are nights he's going to take off. You know, there's maybe and and he had to fight through that this year because there wasn't a backup center available. But I think if mm-hmm. if that's your value, if you can come back and get off of a bad deal or get off a player who's not you know reaching their potential, three or four years of having a solid backup center that you know at least the rebounds at a high rate and can block shots and is willing to do those things. I think is a, is, a, is a good value to get if you're the Pelicans in this situation. You know, you're not counting on that player to change your fortunes, but you're counting on that player to fill a role at that point. And I think it could work. Kevin?
3: Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at tradebacks, I'm looking at three teams. And, um, you know, we've already seen a report that says that Portland and the Thunder have, uh, have discussed a deal that would in- include – a swap and then Portland would get Dort along with 12 for uh seven. And I'm hoping that Portland does make that, that trade at seven to get OG Ananobi. And then that offer is available to us. Cause you know, I, I've been talking for months about how I want to add Dort to this team. So if you could get Dort and then have 12 and then add, add like a Mark Williams or a, a Jalen Duren, uh to this roster so you get that backup center you get another great perimeter defender um mm-hmm. i think that that's perfect um the other one you know obviously we already talked about the other possible trade back is with with the hornets where you would get 13 and 15 and in that sense i would try to get a guard and a big man you know so you're looking at like branham or maybe johnny davis and then or a a Baji and then pair that with Mark Williams and Durant. Those are like kind of like my four trade back guys, I guess, uh, five trade back guys. Sorry. Not good at math tonight. Um, but the other trade is also possibly with the wizards, um, where you can maybe swap Graham for Contavious Caldwell Pope get 10, they get eight. So then you get that, um, perimeter defender outside shooter, bigger guard, to go into the uh you know to mix in with your midgets that you have at, at guard outside of Herb jones and then you can um then draft you know a backup center as well and williams and duran so it kind of uh depends but basically my trade back guys these three are kind of even level and it just depends on how other how the trades work out but it's branham davis and williams and then after that it's agbaji and duran uh Igbaji over duran because I feel like Duran is just so raw that you know it, he's going to take a lot more development um but could pay off in the long term.
1: Yeah uh, you know like the the other part to remember and I think and I'm I'm not saying it's to you know I just is that they have only one spot. So if they move back and they don't give up somebody and they're taking that one right. you're filling that one spot there's no free agents out there if the Pelicans are in that position, if we're, a, right. you know, so, but if they do, if they, if they find a way, if they can get off the contract of Garrett Temple, if you can get out of, of that slot with Devonte Graham, if you're getting off of Jackson Hayes, or, I mean, it could even be Kyra Lewis. You, any of those people could be on the trading block, you know, open up uh, roster space if that's what David Griffin and Trajan Langdon decide to do. Um, but yeah, right now I mean, they're, they're pretty locked in.
3: When I say those trades, I assume that mm-hmm. they're, we're also sending at least one player back with that, whether that's Graham, Hayes, or you know, Kyra or Temple or some combination of of those guys. Uh-huh. Definitely.
1: Um. Well, then I guess the, the next part of that would be, um, you know, what would we think is the likeliest uh, thing to happen for the Pelicans? And then what would be our, our premium outcome? Ali, um, what do you think is the likeliest outcome for the New Orleans Pelicans to, uh, out of the draft? Well,
0: talking to enough people, some people have told me that they think one of Dyson Daniels or Mathering is going to be there available. At eight, the way it's going to shake out, right? Because we don't know what's going to happen with the Kings at four, um, which way the Pistons go at five. And of course, seven is the big lottery ball, but like I said, I've talked to several people that really study these drafts and stuff and they think one of those two guys gonna be there today. So that's to me the optimal um outcome here. But one thing I wanted to add too that could happen besides, you know, Kevin's dream scenario of Lou Dort and I think several of others uh, uh really like that deal too is it doesn't have to be maybe necessarily Dort from OKC because remember fuzzy Trajan Langdon, he was watching uh what was it, the finals over there in Europe, uh, to see Vasili. Micic play. I hope I got his name. I'm sure I butchered that. But anyways, he's a 20-year-old guard who's, you know, been one of the top basketball players over there for a while. You know, his uh, club over there in Turkey, uh, Andulu, Efes, whatever. They've won back-to-back leagues, And he's made known he wants to come to the NBA. Well, it doesn't make any sense really for OKC to bring him, right? You've got Shea Gilgis. You've got Josh Giddey. You're building youngsters. They're in no position to really bring him over to be some kind of vet to play important minutes. So I think he's without a doubt on that trade board. And I think he makes a lot of sense for the Pels, right? Especially if you don't want to develop a guy, grab a guy who's got that experience from overseas, and he's going to give you, you know, that big guard, big point guard type of play off the bench. And I think that seems like a good way to go.
1: Yeah, this is a team that that to me is now past the development stage. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's ripe now. You look. You look at this past NBA Finals, and sure, everybody's like, "Well, the, the worst could go out and win a couple more." It wasn't that easy for Golden State. It wasn't that easy. They they came again. I think they you know they ran into a matchup in the East that was very favorable to them. They ran into a team that loved to dribble and turn the ball, the ball over. That <laughs> overcame their faults. Golden State is by no stretch in my mind a juggernaut. Looking at them, so you look at next year in the West, and you say. Okay, Golden State's not not invincible. That's not a sixty you know nine win team. That's not a seventy three win team. Who else in the West is going to be better next year? The Suns aren't going to be better. The Jazz aren't going to be better. The Nuggets aren't going to be better. They could all be healthier, but are they going to be appreciably better than what the Pelicans are going to be putting on the court? If we're assuming everyone is at their best, no. So the Pelicans are legit to me, and I think all of us would agree on this a legit contender for a top five spot in the West, if not, you know, potentially if it's really good, get higher than that. Um, but that's the way it looks to me. So you're not trying to have somebody who comes in and that rookie that you bring in is somebody who you're thinking about, Hey, they'll be good in four years from now. No, there has to be some level of a, of a contribution this season, knowing that their floor has to be at a reasonable level.
0: Um, yeah, and here's one other thing yeah, that I mentioned.
1: Pels they, where they hit a couple of home?
0: Well, hit a major home run last year. It was with the two way contracts, right? Jose Alvarado. So you got to think they're feeling pretty good about after the top sixty, right? In dra- um, rounds one and two this season are taken. They're going to throw their money and their dice at a couple other players and hope that one of those guys could possibly pan out. And there's going to be a lot of seniors out there floating around, especially big that I've kind of circled for myself. I'm curious if the Pels can bring in, you know, more talent that way. So you don't need to go through the draft, especially like you just mentioned, David, to, you know, waste a roster spot, but then also think of all the developmental time that's going to be required with a lot of these guys.
1: I mean, yeah, Willie Green did that this year. You know, this was the year to get guys to buy in and figure out roles. And like I said, the high level questions, you know what I mean? Like Willie Green this year is going to have to be – I don't care how enthusiastic, well, let's have, let's go to this thing. The question now is about Zion Williamson, because the talk this week is that, you know, Hey, they offer the extension. Zion's going to sign it. It's no problem. No big deal. Everybody's on board. Um, How likely do we think it is that Zion signs immediately? Are there going to be provisions in that deal? Um And, and fish, I'll let you start with that one. Um, I think.
2: I mean, if with the leaks that are already coming out from Woj and from, you know, I think it was Ryan with, um had uh, David Griffin on the pod and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the negotiation is already done. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some, some moderate protections for the Pelicans, but they're written in a way that essentially it all has to go to poop, kind of like the Embiid ones where... You know, the 76ers were protected, but what they had to do was they had to cut him. Like, that's, <laughs> you could cut him with no additional guaranteed money if he's missing games because of, you know, injuries that are related to the same injuries he's had before. Um, so it gives the franchise a little bit of protection, but it's like, it's an escape valve that if if, if you actually have to pull it, like, it, it's all gone, gone down the tubes. So um I it might have something like that um at this point I think the biggest thing is that the Pelicans are probably pushing pretty hard that that fifth year isn't a player option uh-huh. um and that's where the Pelicans really need um Zion Williamson to give is they need that fifth fifth year to just be you know you know not ne- not a team option but it's it's just going to be you know it's just the fifth year, you know, that, that one's also guaranteed, but for, you know, these injury stipulations or something like that. So it'll be a big number. Um, and I think he's going to sign it. Um, and then hopefully he's signing it in the, well, crap. I mean, look at what they did without me this year and not he's signing it in terms of let me secure the bag. And then, you know, if I'm still not happy here, we'll just push for the trade afterwards.
1: Ollie, what is the scuttlebutt you hear as re- with regard to just how Zion feels at this point um, with regard to his, his station in the franchise, because that's what this is going to be about is how did he and Brandon Ingram figure out their relationship and. And who is, you know, the leader of this team going forward to CJ McCollum is part of managing that. Jonas Valanciunas is going to be part of managing that, but that's, you know, the number one thing is those two guys figuring out how this is all, all those three guys figuring out how this is going to work. Um, And that's a lot for Willie Green to deal with. If, again, as David Griffin says, Zion, are you all, we're all the way in with you. Are you all the way in with us?
0: Yeah, so I've been hearing that his mindset's really good, really good since, uh, especially since he re- returned back from Portland and I, we got to see him, got the talk about him behind the scenes because people have been working with him, right? Um, off camera, away from media and such. They they saw nothing but positive. So I just honestly think with him, he kind of does battle certain, I don't want to say demons, right? I don't want to give off the connotation there's anything mentally, psychologically wrong with him, but he, he's been in like some dark, probably um, into some dark holes, I want to say, since he's become an NBA player uh, because he's never faced You know, that kind of adversity, the kind of uh, disappointment and not being able to control a situation like he has uh, um, that he did with this past year, of course, in his rookie season. So I I think that was kind of natural. But I think, like I said, he's in a good place because he's gotten his body healthy. We all know that, right? He's been fully clear. That was about two and a half, three weeks ago now. And teammates love him. You know, when he first got back from Portland. So I'm sitting often alone, right, to where during games at the end of the bench, he was more uh, talkative with the ball boys and, you know, fans sitting there in front row seats and such. But, you know, that only lasted for a week or so. And then you just started to see him become a bigger member of the squad. And what I mean by that is guys were coming up to him constantly. They were laughing, sharing stuff. To where now I'm hearing, you know, he truly feels like, you know, a member of the team again. And one of these guys, And I think that's important. Being one of the guys, not being the guy. Um, and CJ and Brandon, they're going to be able to take all that pressure off of him. And I don't think he necessarily wants it. I think that's probably something people need to understand. He wants to get through a season healthy first, right? He, he wants to prove that – um I don't know how to put it. Because I know that he's got the desire to be like one of the greats and all that. But I don't think that he's ready for it mentally, right? I'm not sure even if him, he himself trusts it. Now, this is what I'm kind of guessing from – analyzing everything i've heard from behind the scenes so i just think basically what i'm trying to say is he's in the perfect role he's in that perfect seat to where they're going to allow him to be dominant on the court picking his spots on the floor during games during important minutes but it's not entirely at all going to be on his shoulders both on the court with his play and also being that voice right without a doubt he's got to learn still how to talk to guys right being being able to to analyze situation, realize when his inputs required. Just like when the C J McCollum trade happened, how it didn't dawn on him that he should have reached out, especially when CJ's trying to get a hold of him. You know, it's those type of things, right? He's still learning. He's still maturing on that front. So, all that said, yeah, I think it's going to be a perfect scenario. I think we're all going to be surprised if we can stay healthy. We're not even going to be talking about this at all next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just. You know, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily that it's going to go sideways, but there is a figuring out here for Zion Williamson of how do I fit on the floor with these guys because I've never practiced with them, let alone played a game with them this off season. So I just think that you know, and and with Bi having the finger surgery and having to be out as well, and mm-hmm. and preseason not being preseason, you know, it just it has to go well. The Pelicans can't get off to you know, five and 10 start. It has to go well in the beginning. And I think that's just the biggest part of this offseason is how do these guys figure out who gets the touches and when do things work and and the defensive rotations and all those parts. It's just there is still some feeling out that has to go on.
3: Oh, I mean, definitely. Uh, I do agree 100% with what Ali said, though. I feel like you know, we will be in a situation where perhaps Zion is our best basketball player, but Brandon Ingram is the voice and leader of our team. Um, and I think that will be totally fine with Zion Williamson because I think we've all felt that he doesn't have that leadership gene. Mm-hmm. That's not a knock on him. I mean, he's a great player. Not everybody can be that leader of men, that guy that inspires his teammates through words and not just actions. Um you know, we've seen it with Anthony Davis, we saw it with Drew Holiday, those guys were not good vocal leaders, but Brandon Ingram is that guy that this team really is drawn to and follows. And I think that'll take a lot of pressure off of Zion because he, you know, because he of who he was and the amount of abilities that he had and where he was drafted, it was sort of like thrust upon him. And and the same thing with that happened with A D. And it just kind of distracts him. And especially when he can't play because of injury, it sends him to dark places like that because so much is expected of him, not only on the court, but also as, you know, the face of the franchise. And now he doesn't have to necessarily be that, even though he could still be the best and most dominant player on the court. Um, So, but yeah, I mean, obviously there's, they haven't played together. There's a whole new system um you know there's accountability on the defensive end which he hasn't really faced i mean i guess you could say stan van gundy tried to get that out of them alvin gentry definitely didn't try to get that out of them but um you know van gundy's way was not the same as willie green's way and what we see from willie green is what we were hoping to see probably i mean i I definitely was at the beginning of Zion Williams rookie year where we would have a coach like Willie Green that would come in and create that culture and grow with, with the roster. Um, you know, we have, we're delayed two years on that, but we're there now. And I think that he'll be able to communicate fine with Zion. We see Zion being around the team lately. So he kind of knows what they expect already. And then it's just going to be figuring out the pieces. But when you have four pieces that are lethal offensively, um, the growing pains aren't going to be that detrimental, I don't think, especially when the supporting cast around them are versatile defenders for the most part. Um, and and, and so a willing defenders. Yeah. Willing defenders. And you don't have to, you never really have to play a bad basketball player right now, you know? Um, so you can stagger guys that aren't fitting off the bat, um, you know, shuffle the minutes so that they don't overlap too much, but you always have like one of your best scorers on the court till they figure out how to really play together in jail. So I'm not overly concerned with it. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, I, it's a big, uh, it's a big relief to me to see this change in Zion because I was a hundred percent sure he was out the door um, with everything that lit up. It was really once we got CJ McCollum that really changed his whole persona his whole attitude and his whole like being with this team so um you know kudos to him without you know that and and to the front office for bringing him in and giving him that voice in the locker room to you know be that professional and and set him straight and sort of give him some guidance and you know obviously winning and the excitement of the team obviously helped too but um yeah i mean i'm i'm very optimistic about How that's gonna work out actually.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a it's a a remarkable luxury for the Pelicans to be in a situation where the question is not um how are these guys going to get along? I don't think that's the question at all. It's how do we make all this talent fit? And that's a great question to have to have. Oh, we've got a lot of talent. Let's let's how do we get to you know make it work? Um, because I think the willingness is there. I think Zion Williamson absolutely I agree with everything that you guys have said that. He wants to be an excellent teammate. He wants to be an excellent basketball player. Mm -hmm. I have never seen in him the desire to be the leader of any team. You know, I think it was important to him at Duke that he shared the spotlight with other guys. I think it's been important to him with the Pelicans that he he doesn't seem comfortable when he is the centerpiece of the attention. He likes to be on the stage with his guys. So I think that that's fine. And like you said, I think Brandon Ingram did show that he earned this he earned this in the playoffs. He earned this over the course of the regular season that this is the team runs through him. And in some ways, everybody else has to figure their ways their, their place out around that. And that's, again, that's not a bad thing. There has to be a hierarchy on the court. There has to be a guy that, you know, this is, this is what we're going to, when we need it, mm-hmm. this is who's going to get it for us. So I think the Pelicans are their Their questions are now the questions of a good team. That you're hoping becomes a very good team, rather than the questions of a team that you're hoping becomes a team, where the Pelicans have been probably for the last six years. So it's a much
2: CJ, CJ, CJ helps with that though. Yes, because uh, I mean, granted, like he's a great veteran, you know, leader in the locker room. But unique to his Portland experience, I mean, he was there as you know Dame took the torch from LaMarcus Aldridge before LaMarcus Aldridge left Portland. Um and so he saw like the franchise pillar that had been there, you know, with the Roy years, you know, get to the point where, you know, with Lillard's ascension, like it became Lillard's team. Um and dealing with that, and I think in a way he he can he can really he can really help them mesh. In that way. And also um, the biggest thing I think that we're seeing with CJ McCollum's presence in the locker room. And with the franchise is. I mean, Zion Williamson now has a different voice in his ear, other than just his camp and Mm -hmm. CJ McCollum and his voice. Holds a lot of weight, not just in the city of New Orleans, not just with the New Orleans Pelicans, with the NBA as a whole. Um, we've seen that with his appearances, you know, on ESPN and, and everything else. Like people want to hear what CJ has to say. And CJ's more so than really any veteran that the Pelicans could have traded for. Um, CJ's the guy that comes with that kind of, you know, gravitas He's into the, the locker brother. room. That he can, you know, he can he can really teach these guys, you know, all of the young guys how to be pros and how to deal with the BS that's going to come around it. Um, and it it's it, it's going to be great for the development of of not just Zion, not just Brandon Ingram, and you know that dynamic um, that is going to have to be worked out, as you guys said. But every single young guy that they already have on the team. Um, and then, you know, if they end up picking eighth, if they end up picking 12th, if they end up picking 13th and 15th, um, you know, the young guys that they will bring into the roster as well.
1: And then we can't forget draft consider, I mean, cash considerations, which is probably going to be taken twice in the second round.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> let me, let me ask guys you guys trade back. considerations on to me getting back in the draft to the draft for a second. If. If, do you see a world where say where Daniels and Matherin and Sharp all go before eight, and that leaves uh keegan Murray at at eight how i mean I don't think we really considered Keegan Murray too much because we thought he was going to go higher, but do you see a world where he would fall at eight, and would you prefer him over any of those guys that we already talked about
2: I don't think so because you you can see you can see the whole Um, At power forward um, to a degree um, in Detroit, especially if Detroit's moving Jeremy Grant, which seems to be the plan. um, And in um, Indiana, um, where they just traded away Sabonis and they need, you know, a power forward somehow that's going to fit with Miles Turner. So I I would be I would be shocked, honestly, if Keegan Uh Murray falls beyond seven, beyond six.
1: And I, so, I, mean, yeah, I'm, I I'm not. Yeah. My thing with Murray too is I, I, I get it, but his size troubles me at the four. Um, for the like for the Pelicans, you know what I mean? Again, it's not about the player himself. It's like I just his length, his you know, bothers me at that spot. I don't. You know, he he doesn't. He's not as as as. Forceful as Zion is around the the basket, to be undersized to me, um, and I think he, he the space that he requires um, would just be different. It just it just wouldn't fit with what this team has to me. Not that he's not a can't be a very solid player in the NBA. I think he can be. I just don't I just don't like his match with the
3: Pelicans. So if state. he fell say say if he fell to eight, you would be you would be more interested in sort of in trading back. And try to cash in off of other teams' desire to get him. Yeah, so, I would. Over the three guys
0: that we have on our list.
3: Yeah, if
1: they're going, if they're going, yeah, yeah. I mean, if yeah, have... think
0: about it, if you add him and you've got Zion, Trey, Herb, and you got to think Bi is going to be able to play a lot of wing, and mm-hmm. that's sometimes his best position. How are you fitting in Keegan Murray, who should be seeing like twenty minutes a game, minimum? Right,
1: like there's no playing time for him. Yeah, there's none. It's the Jackson Hayes problem all over again.
0: Right, I mean, I all think we
3: all feel like too that we do need a serviceable backup to Zion because he. Oh yeah, yeah. That you know, so I, that's the that's the thought I was having, you know. And then. Yeah, but just,
0: it can't be through a rookie, uh, right? Because look, Willie Damon not trust Trey Murphy to start playing in regular minutes to what uh, March, you know. So there's no yeah. way Murray would come in or any rookie for me, for that matter, step into a big role right away. I just don't see it. Not for anyone okay. sure that's going to be. I mean, like, I like mean, you he mentioned, was, he was starting start to right away. away.
2: I mean, he was starting Herb right away. I just think maybe like Trey wasn't as ready. As, He's, as but these guys. There's
0: nobody. Do you think Murray is? See, that's a good question. Fish Keegan I don't Murray think is Murray's not as ready as Herb. No, I don't think no, so. No,
1: you know Herb. We're talking about it. Herb was SEC defensive and overall player of the year. It's, the, it's a big difference. Big difference to me.
2: I mean, I, I have a higher, I have a higher opinion of Murray. Um, but the other thing about that is, I mean. Larry Nance still exists yeah um, yes. and, and, and for yeah. and for me um on the pelicans' roster you know if if there's if there's a Zion you know absence for one reason or another, um the easiest decision to me um is that you just plug Larry Nance into that hole um mm-hmm. and then you can you can always like you can play a little bit of Willie um and you can make it work, so
1: uh, it is just funny. Uh, but the only thing I worry about with Nance at, at starter minutes is that he has been injured in the past. And I just don't would never want to get into a position because of him and his, his veteran experience is something you need um, around, especially in those second units. I just like, I, I would not want to have to put the tax on him. You know what I mean? Like optimally to put the, if he had to play 28 to 30 something minutes every night, while Zion was out, if, if if Zion were out for let's say a ten or fifteen game period, I would just be worried about the risk of injury with his legs because that's where he's gotten hurt. And I, he I'm counting on
0: trade to soak up a lot of minutes next year. He would play. Me, he yes, can play a lot of four. I'm guessing. I really okay.
1: like the. I like the idea of trade the four, Kevin.
3: Let me yeah. just ask you guys this: just a quick yes or no. If, if Murray, if your choices are Murray and Sohan at
0: at eight, what are you doing? Ooh, oh, that's mean. I want Sohan on this team over Murray, even though Murray's a better player.
1: I think he has to be
2: Sohan. Okay. I, I, ooh, man. If, if those two are the guys on the board, it's, it's a hard choice for me. Yeah. I mean, Sohan, Sohan to me is like, his upside is like, what if Larry Nance was bigger? And could right, do and I can, I'll tell more. you,
3: I've seen him, I've been like two feet, I've had a conversation with him and this week, he looks every bit of uh, six ten and a half. He doesn't look six nine. He looks a lot taller
2: um, mm. than that. And I just with so, that and what he did at Baylor, like I'm looking at him, and the fact that like he's played internationally, he's played with grown men before, and he just I like his fluidity
1: defense. without a basketball mm-hmm. in his hands.
2: The ability he just loves
1: to just... defense. Oh yeah, like,
0: constant just... motor, always moving, makes smart moves. He reminds me of a less impactful Brandon Clark, or I should say, less powerful Brandon Clark. And who knows how he fills
2: what... out, but yeah, he's still. Again, you're player. looking at a guy, and you're just like, that dude's smart when you're watching his tape. Like mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. thing that gravitates to me. Like that's yep. why I'm so high on Dyson Daniels. That's why I'm so high on Sohan. Like the Pelicans are really like finding a formula here, and the mm-hmm. biggest thing of the formula is get smart, dude. Yeah. Like, more than anything else, just like get basketball players that understand what's happening on the court. Smart and love,
1: and that love to be in the gym. Those are the two things that the Pelicans figured out.
2: You've got smart guys who want to be in the gym all the time. Speaking of in the gym, the Pelicans have been sending a lot of pictures about how they're all in the gym. Mm hmm. In New Orleans,
1: together which is not normal. At the team facility, like pretty much throughout the whole finals. That's not normal, Ali. I mean, as long as we've been doing this together, the offseason has not been filled with shots of players in the facility. There have been other places. No, because
0: let me think about all the young guys. There was no young guys, right? They were all veterans of guys that were just, you know, always going to be second fiddle, third fiddle. On teams, but the young guys, yeah. I mean, even if they ha- when they had the young guys, they weren't working there. Yeah,
2: like all the rookies are there. Najee's there. They've been the there Zion's Jackson's there. Jackson's been there. Jackson's even. there.
1: Yeah.
2: Like they're just maybe, in there maybe they'll working. tell Jax
1: they moved the facility. <laughs> and Dude, then so see the
2: other that. thing is, is that when they're show- sending the pics and it's just like. Uh, Trey Murphy came out with the, the like, I guess they must like measure and weigh him like at the end of the season, and he's like, oh, I'm oh, yeah. six but <laughs> then now, and then they're showing the pictures. that I'm like, that dude's putting on weight, like, yep, he, he's he's yeah, he's, but it's he's like easily muscle, putting right? on like good weight, like, not, I mean, he's growing into
1: a man, like, that's what he's doing that part of life today, Turn turned 22 today, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to Sohan, like, I saw, um, Murphy, Trey Murphy a lot when he first came oh, oh, even for the draft process, but then once he was a Pelican too, and I will say that Sohan looks taller than Trey was when he first started to be a Pelican his, early in his Pelican tenure. So if you want to compare it like much Bob. younger,
2: much younger. I think he's only 19. Yeah. Like I, Trey Murphy was 21 though when they were drafting him. Sohan's right, right. 19.
3: Yeah, I'm right. saying he was tall. He's taller than Murphy. Was when he first came. Uh, yeah, I mean, he I think could still so, be growing. He turned too. right? Didn't he just
0: turn nineteen too? That's the biggest thing. He just yeah, turned 19.
2: yeah. Like he's super young, but like he just he's he played still... professionally. He just man, he just when you watch him and didn't he had a quote or something where he said like he he enjoys being an irritant and yep. like and, and and I read that and I'm like that's the kind of dude I want coming off the bench with Jose Alvarado, like right, the Pelicans those... just. Are annoying because they just all 82 games the starters go out and then they ro- roll out these dudes and Trey Murphy either is hitting threes or dunking on you and then Sohan and Jose Alvarado when he guards you all over the place and Larry Nance is out there being you know a really smart vet and directing traffic and stuff like that's that's really fun to me
1: because this is the year you're not in the position in the lottery like unless the Pelicans found a way to get up in the top three. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not the year to swing for, like, hey, we let's get the immeasurable superstar that – that no, there are players on the board in this draft that can help you next season. Right. And you're in position, like you said, to make a legitimate playoff run. You've prob- The Pelicans probably played the most compelling series in the Western Conference of the playoffs, you know, against the Suns. The Pelicans-Sun series is probably the most – compelling and interesting series. And I'm not saying that because we cover the Pelicans. I'm saying that now looking in hindsight at what we saw in the postseason, there weren't a lot of great series, but that the Pelicans fought their asses off for six games. And, and so, I mean, you look at that and you you have to feel that if those guys come in and they've worked this off season and their, their basketball IQ continues to raise and their physical skill continues to raise and Herb Jones comes back and he could score better than he, you know, than he left and Trey Murphy is getting those opportunities and Zion Williamson is healthy, yeah, you don't need somebody. You don't need to take a chance this year. You, take, you want somebody who's going to be able to come in and help you, man, mm-hmm. and can give you something, give me some legitimate minutes because you have a chance here. There's a
2: chance. Even though the Pelicans only played in the first round, the Pelicans logged more rookie minutes than any other franchise that played in the playoffs. It's because they had three dudes playing rotation minutes for six straight games.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because and Golden State decided to give a bunch of minutes
1: to Otto Porter for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 it just this isn't. I don't know the last time we were going into a draft. Um, with the Pelicans had a vibe like this because it's it wasn't this last year you know, because you're still that coming off of kind of a disappointment, obviously. Um, and you had COVID and all these other things that were hanging. But the uh, the optimism now, it's it'd be very hard for the Pelicans to mess this up. How, I guess I guess then this would be, we'll end on this. How could you mess this up? Is there a possible, no, man, is there this, a way- that's,
2: that's way too negative, man. We cannot <laughs> end it like that. I know, I'm not ending on that note, nope. <laughs>
0: all right, we'll leave it alone then.
1: Uh, but guys, I think we've hit it all then, have we? Have we hit it all?
3: I think so. I mean, I mean we didn't go into a lot of detail on Mather and on what we liked about him, if you wanted to talk about that. But other than that, I, mean, I, think-, I think we, I think we all just need to get together. We need to pray
2: that. that Dyson Daniels is there. And if not Dyson Daniels, that, you know, they just go with Sohan. One way or another.
0: Yeah, then, I'm kind of with you, Fish,
2: man. I, I don't know. I still like Matherin,
0: but yeah, more I look at Sochan. I got I Danny Mathurin Matherin and Sohan. That's my top
1: three. Well, let's, we'll we will be – we'll come back and do a reaction after the draft next Thursday. This Thursday, excuse me. Um, we'll come back and we'll do a reaction and, and see what moves have been made because I'm certain there will be other trades going on, as there always are around and on draft night. So we'll see what happens there, and we'll start talking about free agents and what other things might happen for the Pels then. But, um, guys, uh, until the next time, then, I guess this has been another edition of The Bird Calls. I'm David Grubb for Kevin Berrios, David Fisher, and Ali Cosell. And in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, let's go Pels.